nice to have the piano versus the keyboard, right, Adam? <laughs> oh, yeah, he says. The scripture I'd like to read with you this morning is from the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to be spending the next three weeks in this book uh, leading up to Advent. And uh, I'll explain a little bit more of why I chose this book as we uh, dive into the passage. We're going to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. This is God's Word. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace the time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain have the workers from their toil? I've seen the busyness that God has given to everyone to be busy with. He has made everyone, everything suitable for its time. Moreover, he has put a sense of past and future into their minds. Yet, they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better than for them to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil. I know that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done this so that all should stand in awe before Him. That which is already has been, that which is to be already is, and God seeks out what has gone by. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's a feeling I'd like to talk to you about today. Yeah, a feeling. It's one that I can't really describe and that I've felt uh, often throughout 2020. Other times too, plenty of other times as well, but especially this year in 2020. Maybe you felt it too. It's kind of difficult to describe without it sounding just sort of too abstract. So I I wanted to use one of the lyrics from one of my favorite musicians, uh, Jack Johnson. This is an album I used to listen to probably every day for a whole year in 2008. And this is one of my favorite songs, the lyrics from that song. He says, All at once, the world can overwhelm me. There's almost nothing that you could tell me 
that could ease my mind. Which way will you run when it's always all around you in the feeling lost and found you again? A feeling that we have no control. A feeling that we have no control. Now, there's different moments in life where we might feel that way, where we feel like we're, we come face to face with this reality that we have no control, that things are just way bigger and way more complex than we could ever imagine. And oftentimes those moments come in the smallest things. Personally, I can remember one of the clearest times I felt that way was a moment of joy. It was actually after Gina and I got married and we took a trip up to the North Shore and stayed at a little resort. for our, We called it our mini-moon. And we brought our flowers with from the wedding, just a bouquet like this, except it had some succulents in it that Gina still has. But the flowers, after, after two days had gone by, started to wilt. And I just remember feeling so sad in that time that was also so, filled with such joy. Because we had waited forever to get married. It felt like forever. A year and a half we waited to get married. And the day came, and then it went. And on the other side of that moment, I felt this feeling that I'm describing, this feeling that we have no control. Even in the joyful moments, we feel that way. You felt that way before? Ever before in your life? We feel it during the good moments. A birth, a new job, holidays we feel the same way, the opening of a new church building that we waited so long to... to, uh, experience, graduating from high school or college, maybe a new relationship. And we also feel it even more painfully, this feeling that we have no control. Maybe sometimes the only time we pay attention to it during the most painful and difficult moments. Losing a spouse, a cancer diagnosis, threat of losing your job or, you know, anything related to a pandemic during an election year makes us feel that way. (laughs) Good moments and bad moments in life lead us to the same feeling that we have no control. If we're honest, we have no control in our life. I think, honestly, that's what this passage is getting at when Solomon lays out the totality of life, all these different ranges of experience. Solomon, if you didn't know this or forgot, Solomon was considered the wisest man to ever live. God asked him, what is it that you want? How can I bless you? Because he's the son of King David. And so God wanted to bless Solomon and said, how is it that I can bless you? And Solomon asked for wisdom. And God was pleased by that because he didn't ask for stuff. He wanted to know wisdom. How to live right in God's eyes, basically to know the, way, the, the ways of the world. And so Solomon writes uh, this book of Ecclesiastes as a way of kind of wrestling with the realities of the world and the meaninglessness of it. <laughs> it's kind of a depressing read if you sit down and read Ecclesiastes. I would caution you, if you're feeling a little somber, don't read Ecclesiastes unless you're willing to sort of wrestle with these things yourself. Solomon repeatedly through this book says uh, things like, it uh, talks about the meaninglessness of, of life. And he describes life as like chasing the wind. Picture that. If I was outside running around chasing after the wind, you'd think I'd totally lost my mind. (laughs) I'd think the same of you, by the way. Don't pick on me. (laughs) But that's part of the reason I felt compelled to read this book several months ago is because as 
things in our life change so much as we go through a pandemic and all the bitterness of the election year and just the the day-to-day changes that happen and the things that are taken away from us. As all of those things are changed, it starts to challenge our, our sense of making meaning of life. Things start to feel random or maybe even pointless. And I'm not talking about like spending time with your family or, you know, appreciating the ways that we're blessed. I'm just talking about like society and the way that our church operates and some of these bigger question things that like you just wonder when when everything's threatened and changing, how's it all going to turn out and what's the point? It sort of feels like chasing the wind. And so I read this, this book and I was struck by the way that Solomon describes this range of human experience. Some of them are comforting just to read. You've probably heard this at a, maybe a funeral or any time that you've needed comfort and it was some kind of a service where you've needed comfort. Just listen to some of these. and It, it kind of just touches our heart and we realize the vastness of the human experience. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. For some reason, just hearing these words brings us comfort and it touches something within our hearts that realizes this truth that we have no control and that our lives are so much more complicated than we can ever imagine. And yet, what was interesting to me as I read this is that there's one constant. There's one constant that Solomon points out to us and that is the presence and action and power of God throughout all of these different human experiences. Solomon makes the points in in verse uh, 10. He says, what God has given, an action of God. In verse 11, He has made everything suitable for its time, an action of God. In verse 13, it is God's gift, a gracious action of God. And in verse 14, whatever God does endures forever. God has done this, an action of God. God is present in all of our human experiences. And why has God made all of these different experiences? So that all should stand in awe before Him. Awe simply means a posture of fear. Not the kind of fear like I'm terrified, you know, I, I'm worried that somebody's going to yell at me, or I'm worried that God is going to punish me. Not that kind of fear. It's like a, a respect and a reverence. So if you look at this picture sitting on a person sitting on the top of a mountain, I would imagine that person is filled with awe and fear at the same time. A respect, a reverence of saying, look at the majesty of the mountain. Look at the power. Imagine the power and the strength that it must have taken to raise the mountains from the earth. And in that same moment, realizing how small that person is in comparison to the vastness, to the power and strength and majesty before him. That's the kind of, before her in that picture, that's the kind of awe that we read about in the Bible, of standing before God and realizing God's power and strength, majesty, as far beyond anything that we can imagine. And also realizing in that same moment that God loves us 
more than we can imagine as well. Solomon's telling us that very specifically God has made everything for its season and to humans only has given us this sense of time. And really the sense of time is what leads us to feel like we have no control. We're aware that the the clock is ticking. Who likes to get older except for kids? Every time we look in the mirror, we realize that we have no control. Every time we look at wilting flowers, we realize that we have no control. And it's really that feeling that causes us to strive. Solomon calls it toil. He says, what gain have the workers from their toil? What good is it to strive and to toil? And we don't use that word toil. But our typical response to the feeling that we have no control to the feeling that life is just constantly slipping away from us and slowly but surely we're marching towards our own death and there's nothing that we can do about it. We respond in other ways. We call it stress or anxiety. We call it fear or anger. We call it busyness. We call it isolation or avoidance. Toil. The word really means uh, laborers, sufferers, ironically. And Solomon contrasts the, the posture of toil versus standing in awe before God. And he makes it very clear that this is what God wants for us. God has given us this sense of time. This feeling that we have no control so that we would stand in awe before Him so that every time we realize something about our life that we can't control, as we realize the passing of time, we would say, God, how much more amazing are You than I can possibly imagine? How good are You that You've blessed me in this way? Even to have the things that I need just for today. How good are You that You've given me love and people to love me within my lifetime? How good are you that you've given me life in this moment? That's what it means to stand in awe before God, to have gratitude in our hearts, to be appreciative of the smallest details of our life, and to realize that we're part of this creation that is so much greater than we can possibly imagine. But yet, despite the vastness of 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 everything that we experience. God is there walking with us, wanting to assure us of love, wanting to give us peace, hope, and love, and joy, all the things that we really strive for, but yet that we try to fill with other things. I think about Job when... um, I, I almost preached on Job today because... Throughout all of life's experiences, we feel this feeling that uh, we have no control. But Job, he provides kind of a, an interesting picture. Job, at, at this point in chapter 2, he's lost just about everything. He lost his family. He lost his, his character, his reputation. He loses property and livestock. And finally, at this point, Job is covered in boils, which I just can't imagine. Somebody told me about getting hand, foot, and mouth disease, and that sounded awful enough as it was. (laughs) Job is covered in painful boils, and he's literally got a piece of pottery, and he's 
you know, shaving it off to, to deal with the discomfort of it. And his wife comes to him and says this in chapter 2. Do you still persist in your integrity? Because Job had refused to blame God for what was happening. Do you still persist in your integrity? Don't you just curse God and die? Now, this might sound offensive. But he said to her, You speak as any foolish woman would speak. Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? And in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, if you continue to read Job, uh, <laughs> it gets harder for him. As he's talking things out with his, with his friends, he starts to get pretty upset. <laughs> but I think it's amazing that Job understands this truth. He realizes you know, just the, the wide range of experiences in life. And he says very clearly, in his suffering, by the way, that if we receive the good from God, then we should also be willing to receive the bad. And I think what Job is getting at is the same as what Solomon is realizing, is that it's okay if we feel like we have no control. And that feeling can be a good feeling if it drives us to stand in awe of God. If whenever we feel loss, or if we feel joy, we feel things are changing within our life, instead of striving, instead of stressing, instead of being depressed about it, we say, God, thank You for this gift that we call life. Thank You for the mystery of time and the promises that I find in Scripture. Thank You, God. And when we're suffering, and when things are hard, to believe the promises of God. It's in these difficult times when things don't make sense that God can shape us the most intensely. To shape our character, to shape our desires. What do we really care about? What captivates us? What are we in awe of? You see, most of us are not in awe of God. We're in awe of what we can do with our time in response to the feeling that we have no control. That's what we get excited about. But the range of human experience is they become an opportunity for us to stand in awe before God. We can receive the good and the bad throughout the seasons of life when we realize that God's main purpose in creating us, His main desire, the whole reason that we exist and have this sense of time is so that we would stand in awe before Him. So that we would be in relationship with Jesus, living by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in this life. So that instead of toil, instead of that feeling that we have no control and letting that stress us out or lead us into putting other things into our mind that don't actually fill us with the peace and joy that Jesus wants for us, instead of that toil, we could surrender to God to realize that all of life is a gift. And then Solomon, he says, he's got some pretty practical things. He says, take pleasure in the toil of life. Realize that there's nothing that you can do to change the realities of this world. Enjoy the gifts that God has given you, even during the hard times. And most importantly, stand in awe, in wonder, in amazement of who God is 
and what God has done. This is the proper response to the mystery of time. That feeling that we have no control when we see the wilting of a flower or when we experience the changes that we're experiencing in our society. To stand in awe of God is to be grateful for what God has given us. It's caring about what God cares about, what God thinks. It means prioritizing learning His Word, talking to Him in prayer. To stand in awe of God is to be in wonder of God and to also then live a life of obedience and surrender, saying, God, not my will, but Yours be done. To trust the promises that God is with us. That feeling that we have no control, I've had it a lot lately. Maybe you've had it as well as you look at all the different things that are happening in the world. But I also have it in good ways. We had Peyton's fourth birthday party on Saturday. This was a great time. Actually, I wasn't there. We wanted to give her a party. <laughs> we wanted to give her a party just for her. So I took Baylor and we went out for a long walk so that they could have time away from each other. But, you know, Gina planned that party and Peyton was so excited. I've never seen her so excited. She just was constantly going like this for like two hours. <laughs> just so pumped. Gina and I looked at her like, oh my gosh, she's going to explode. And the party came and went. And, you know, after the party, Peyton was just fine. She just continued to go on with her day and, and uh, live her life. But Gina and I looked at each other and I think Gina even said, it's, it's already gone. And so within the same day, that feeling of having no control in, in a good way, you know, it was a joy, and also a bad way of just the stress of our world right now, just in general. And the truth is, friends, we can't change either one of these things. We can't increase our blessings as hard as we try, not the blessings that count. And we can't fear loss because that's inevitable. So instead... My prayer for us is that we would stand in awe of the One who has created everything that we see and experience. The One who has saved us from our own captivity to sin and who seeks us out even when our hearts are turned away from Him. This God that we worship is the same yesterday, the same today, and will be the same forever. Praise be to Jesus, our Lord and Savior, May we all stand in awe of Him. Amen. I'd like to uh, take a moment to sit in silence again and just let you uh, sit in awe of God. And if, if the only way that you can really understand how to do that, then just simply... Uh, thank God for the things that you're grateful for. And we've got a little extra time, so I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to set my timer. This is something I do at home every day. I'm going to do it for three minutes only. It would feel like a long time. But that's not a very long time to, to say to God what you're grateful for. That's not that long of a time to be in awe of God. If if this is the only three minutes you do it for the whole day, let it be with your whole heart. 
You are holy, Lord. Your power and strength, your goodness, your majesty are so far beyond us. But Lord, you love us still. In fact, you came to rescue us from the darkness of our own hearts that we experience as sin. God, what a gift. How good is your grace? How amazing the gift of your Holy Spirit that can affirm us, give us hope and peace, that can lead us in the steps that we need to take in this life to grow, to be more and more like you, Jesus. God, even though we don't have any control, May you teach us to stand in awe of you. These moments where it's so clear that we're helpless without you. God, keep our hearts from despair and instead may we understand your presence and your goodness, your power. Remind us of the promises that you've made to never leave us nor forsake us. When we pray all these things and your holy name and we